you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I am DJ Impact and I got Matt Michaels and Sin City Steve here with us. And uh, this is our three count. So thank you for hanging out with us. We got some really good stories. I think that's going to really keep you engaged. And in fact, make you might want to start commenting, which we always say jump onto our social media page. And um, and speak out and um, we'll go ahead and and uh, take a look at that and respond as we see. All right, let's get started. This is our first count. This is from WrestlingNews.co. It says Eric Bischoff says Tony Khan is no Ted Turner and Khan manipulates data to make AEW seem competitive with WWE. All right. So let's just read uh, a few of this so you can get some of the uh, context here. And this was on the latest 83 Weeks podcast that Eric Bischoff has. And he responded back to the Tony Khan's recent comment about him. All right. Let me preface this all. First of all, I like Tony a lot. I don't know Tony very well. We crossed paths on several occasions. We've done interviews together. I've been on this show a couple of times, and all of them were really enjoyable experience, and I'm grateful for it. It was fun to go back and see people I worked with for 15, 20, 25 years, and a lot of production team that is a part of AEW worked for me at WCW, so it was a pleasant experience and, and more than pleasant. But at first, I want to address the head-to-head narrative. I've been supportive of AEW. Several weeks ago, when AEW made their appearance at Arthur Ashe in New York, I was nothing but complimentary and exciting. And that's very bold, aggressive, risky move, establishing yourself in the market that way they did and doing so so successfully. In fact, I'll even paraphrase myself here because I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I said something like I have a huge dose of healthy envy, not jealousy, but heavy for Tony and everybody associated with AEW because I know the feeling of making a big move like that and having to pay it off. And then the energy they receive from the crowd, they earn. And I know what it feels like. I've, I've envied everybody involved in a healthy way. And I'm like, wow, we're actually doing it. And I'm fully supportive of AEW. And I only reiterate that and feel the need because my social media, you should see mine. That clip that was played, that was part of our podcast last week, I never had anything on my social media explode the way it did. I have well over a million impressions. We've got over 214,000 people that watch that video. By the way, you should see our demos. If you looked at the demos on our percentage basis, these podcasts has a much higher demo success than AEW or WWE. Should I go around bragging that our podcast is more popular podcast than AEW or WWE? Is a is a television show? Absolutely not. That would be stupid. But the core of this debate, and it is a debate because, again, I'm fully supportive of Tony and AEW and everybody there. The core of this, though, is not that Tony spoke out 
Not that Tony's proud of his company, not that Tony even speak or are readily aggressively about his product. He should do that. I would be disappointed if he didn't if he didn't do that. But it's not manipulation of data to create the impression that there is head to head competition. This is this is all started way before I it never before I never commented on this stuff before because I because I don't have a dog in the hunt and it's fun to watch to suggest as it has been going on for quite some time that based on the percentage of a demo compared to a show that's on a completely different night against completely different competition that somehow that correlates to AEW being more popular or a better product, I have an issue with that. Not an issue with believing as Tony obviously does and the talent obviously does as well they should that they're a better product. Subjectively, I would agree in many cases and have many times on social media. I've been equally as I'm going to use the critical, but I don't mean to be critical. It's more of a constructive criticism. So he says, I've spoken out consistently with WWE product and what I feel is wrong with it from lack of storylines, lack of structured storylines, and have an arc built with create anticipation. To me, that's the huge problem with WWE, and I've been more than free with my comment in that regard. Both before I went to work with AEW, this last time from the cup of coffee I had in Stanford and, and afterwards. Again, I'm reacting to some of the social media stuff that I've seen. And again, I'm reacting to some of the social media stuff that I've, that I've seen. To suggest that I'm kissing WWE's ass is stupid. That's childish. And it's stupid because it's not true. And anybody that pays attention to anything I've said knows that. I have been, I've called it supportive supportively constructive of all things I see and don't see in AEW, but not in my opinion in a negative way, but in an observational context. But the sum up here says, but the idea of that number one AEW and more often than that, it's that Dave Meltzer and the Brian Alvarez are those of that ilk. Oh, I love how he says that. Let me continue the quote though. That are trying to twist and turn the data and interpret data in a way to try to create his impression that are actu actually in competition. That's where I throw the flag personally. But the first time I'm going to explain exactly why, unlike previous comments that were very similar, and I've heard on social media and from Tony and from people in AEW on social media, this is the first time that I reacted the way I did. What pulled the, my trigger was Tony came out before the head-to-head head-to-head it's not even to head-to-head -head competition. Before the Friday night in question, he acted, and I don't blame him for reacting the way he did, but parts of the reaction included a comment that really pissed me off. When Tony came out and said, if Ted Turner knew 1% of what I do about professional wrestling, WCW would still be in business. That lit my fucking fuse for a couple of reasons. For all the people, I'm guessing, that are, uh, that are uh, tuning into this podcast to hear what my follow-up is, let me remind you, let me point out a couple of things. I'm 99.9999% that Tony Khan doesn't have a fucking idea what he's talking about in terms of if Ted Turner was a wrestling fan. I know I don't. I can find out. I could call his son Teddy, and I probably will soon because I'm curious as to how far back Ted Turner's relationship with professional wrestling started. Was Ted Turner a wrestling fan growing up? I don't know, and neither does Tony. So right off the bat, Tony made a, a, a statement that was misleading and ignorant, and ignorant in the literal sense of the word. All right, guys. Um, uh, he went on to say a lot more, but apparently this is now enough for you to get uh, some clarification on what was going on uh, and what was Eric responding to. 
Uh, let me go to you, Matt Michaels. You uh, found this article here. What was your take when you you hear what Eric Bischoff is saying about uh, uh, Tony Khan and his manipulation of data? And I got to tell you, a lot of times, even this past, um, uh, this past, uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it's Dynamite or Rampage, but one of them, I heard them once again, you know, and it was more of Jericho. So I don't, he, is he on both shows or just one? As commentary. Oh, oh yeah. There's, uh, commentator would be Rampage. Okay. Yeah. So it would have to be that show where he was definitely ramping on the idea of, of just, you know, having better, uh, having more ratings than others and doing better. Um, what's your take when you got a chance to read this and then what you've been seeing also out there in the media? Uh, well, the, the, you know, the first thing uh, I, yeah, I gotta go back. Uh, last week we, we touched on this on three count. Yeah. And, and I thought that it was, um, a great follow up to what we talked about because of the fact that Bischoff was essentially doing what I had brought forward. And that is the fact that where Tony Khan fucked up is, and, and Bischoff said this in his, uh, on 83 weeks, um, that the T in TBS and TNT stands for Turner. So he created a, you know, two huge networks, right? Right. Um, so even with Eric saying that he doesn't know what Ted's um, background in wrestling was, um, the first thing that stands out is that Ted Turner on his superstation had Andy Griffith, the Braves baseball, and NWA wrestling, right? Yeah. So therefore, that's what the um, the basis of TBS was, and you would have to imagine from if you go back and you you look at some of the interviews Ted did over the years, um, he always had a sweet spot for wrestling. So we can assume that it probably does go back to some point in his childhood. Which then says that he's a fan of wrestling, yeah. which is perfectly fine. But again, the biggest thing that Eric goes on to say in this <clears throat> is the fact that um, Guy Evans' book about WCW, WCW um, is a thorough book in which they talk to he talked to guys who Eric Bischoff never even met who were way up in Turner Broadcasting. And the fact of the matter is, is that even though Ted loved wrestling and wanted it on his network, and when he did essentially buy and, and make WCW, it was to keep wrestling on his network. And the only reason that WCW went off the air and went out of business, essentially, is because Ted Turner sold it to AOL Time Warner. So therefore, Tony's in a totally different situation. And I, I did say this last week. If Tony's in charge of booking, that's great. Ted Turner never booked a fucking match in his life. 
So to compare yourself to Ted Turner and say that he didn't have 1% of it, it just made no sense. Right. And I think Eric kind of got into, you know, it, it pissed him off because, and this is really interesting, in some ways, by saying that, he just cut out Eric Bischoff totally. And basically said, oh, yeah, if it wasn't for Turner and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, blah, blah, blah. No. Eric Bischoff is the one who made WCW a viable product. Mm-hmm. It was the Turner network, you know, being sold that made WCW non-existent. And Eric Bischoff made the play to actually try to save WCW by buying it. And he couldn't go through with the deal because the execs at Turner took the fucking product off of TV. It wouldn't have had a time slot. So if he would have bought the product, you would have had nowhere to put it. So TK, I think shows and very well stated by Eric Bischoff, ignorant in the sense that he just doesn't know what he's talking about here. And if, if TK was such a wrestling fan, he would fucking know this. Right. And that's where I get, you know, I, I don't want to see AEW fail. But I also get alarmed by seeing what Tony Khan comes out and says as the product gets more successful. And if you want to compare yourself to anyone, you've got to compare yourself to Eric Bischoff. Because Eric damn well knows that, that as soon as he started putting himself on TV, they lost the fucking focus of the company. And your NWO went to shit. Your fucking gold goose just fucking started crapping, you know, regular shit. And he burned himself out. He lost control of the company. They replaced him with Vince fucking Russo. So, you know, if you want to look at how things unraveled, it was the bad management by executives, the sale of the company, and Eric Bischoff's own ego. And that's what happened at WCW. Tony Khan owns the company, is apparently calling himself a booking god, and could eventually, if he keeps putting himself on television and, you know, saying shit like this, where it it isn't... It's it's directly trying to spin your company as something directly, uh, you know, attacking. Spin it for your success. Be proud of your success. But if you're trying to start sinking the other company, Eric Bischoff was in WCW and TNA. And both times Eric Bischoff tried to put Vince McMahon out of business both times he failed. Yeah. So don't go after Vince McMahon. Don't go after WWE. Make your product the best product you can make it. Make your rating successful and enjoy that success. And you can be proud of it. You can have an ego about it, but don't make it egotistical. Make it confidence and show that to your employees. Yeah. Because at some point, you can lose your employees like Bischoff did. And then the fucking, you know, he's also in a position where he has EVPs who are wrestlers, people who are actually, you know, in their company and, you know, say what you want. 
the fact that the young bucks have had these fucking titles on them should not be the case at this point and kenny omega <laughs> you know mm-hmm. he was good at one point in his career to where he executed stuff but he's he's older he's hurt it just is you allow you allow egos then to do things and we saw this in kevin nash we saw this in hulk hogan so this in all these guys who bischoff hung around with because bischoff became boys with these guys mm-hmm. tony's doing the same thing and that's a recipe for failure that's that's my piece sin city i mean i hope you like wrote down all of the things that was said because you will have to tackle a oh lot. yeah now oh first, yeah now first I mean, that was just the Ted Turner issue. We didn't even jump on the data manipulation. That apparently oh, don't, don't worry. I, I plan on doing that myself. So let me give it over to you, Sissy. What's your take when you uh, read it? Okay. So first thing, um, Michaels, I do have to agree with you on your point that the Bucks should not have held the championships as long as they had. Um, however, they are not currently the AEW tag team champions. Um, so I just have to get that out there just for clarification. Cause I know there's somebody that's going to be like, Oh, they're not the champions anymore. Mm-hmm. But in any event, yes, I agree. They definitely should have dropped them a long time ago. Um, okay. So here we go. <laughs> ah, so um, obviously you read um, Eric Bischoff's um, most of Eric Bischoff's yeah, most tirade yeah. that he went on. Um I do want to read a uh, a comment that was in direct reply to that by Chris Jericho, um, and uh, I guess uh, Eric Bischoff had had labeled uh, AEW as a cosplay competition as well. So uh, Chris Jericho just says, "Not sure what a cosplay competition is, Eric, but WWE market share has definitely been decreased by AEW to the point where they forced themselves into quote." real head-to-head competition with us most recently last friday they lost i'm gonna shut the fuck up now and keep wrestling so there's there's a reply from chris jericho about this now can we also caveat that though and as they did that which is true you also did it on fs1 correct and your viewership is going to obviously be down on fs1 because of the fact that it's a cable station that, you know, some people have no access to as well. So, so that is, that is definitely true that they did beat them, but at the same time, they didn't beat them on them running on Fox, which Correct. is almost as assumably really hard to do overall ratings. Yep. Um, so I just have to kind of break things down. So Eric mentioned data manipulation. Um, and this is, uh, this is Eric's quote. Um, and, uh, it's, it really does kind of shed some light on his, his stance on everything. Um, and that, that simply is all I'm suggesting is rather than you're claiming, rather than claiming you're competing against, and somehow you're competing favorably because you're comparing a percentage of your demos on your Wednesday night show to a percentage of the demos on Monday night raw. Notice they don't talk about SmackDown too much, but on Monday Night Raw, when they go against Monday Night Football, which probably has the highest concentration of male 18 to 49, uh, male 18 to 49 year olds, then just about anything else on TV in any given week is a false equivalency. It's just not real. 
It's data gymnastics. I hope Tony and I can maintain our relationship. If we do, I'm grateful for that. If we don't, that's life. I have no real skin in the game, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just trying to clarify my position. I did take personal umbrage to the fact that Tony would compare himself the way he did to Ted Turner. I think that was just a dumb move. Now, could this have been a little bit of uh, Eric Bischoff being somewhat butthurt that Tony Khan chose to take it where he did involving Ted Turner? Now, the thing that I find very interesting, obviously, is they are on Ted Turner's networks. They are on TNT. They're on TBS. So you have to wonder if they, uh, you know, if any of this stuff was cleared, discussed, anything, probably not because ca- we don't caveat that. Remember, Ted Turner has absolutely nothing to do with the network Correct. anymore. Correct. And, and, and one other thing that really does kind of suck about this whole thing is the fact that Ted Turner, I believe, is in advanced stages of Alzheimer's. So now you're fucking with a guy who cannot reply, which kind of sucks. Gotcha. And I agree. So let's, let's take on this data manipulation topic Mm -hmm. that Eric Bischoff chose to throw out. Mm -hmm. So obviously we've, we've discussed raw. Like when I say raw, I'm not saying Monday night raw. When, when we're discussing raw ratings numbers, Um, that is in most cases, what is not being leveraged as the key demographic or the most important thing to advertisers anymore. The, according to the most scientific source on the, on the, uh, the internet, obviously I'm talking about Wikipedia, uh, the key demographic or target demographic is a term in commercial broadcasting that refers to the most desirable demographic group get to a given advertiser. Key demographics vary by outlet, time of day, and programming type, but they are generally composed of individuals who are younger and more affluent than the general public. Young adult viewers have been TV's target demographic for decades because they're thought to have less brand loyalty and more disposable income. Okay, so we are talking about the 18 to 49-year-old demographic. Mm -hmm. Okay, (sighs) this quote, comes uh, to us from E! Entertainment Television President Mindy Herman okay. uh, when discussing the key demographic and the 18 to 49. People go after that demographic for a reason, because it's the most valuable demographic for advertisers. If you're drawing an audience that's 55 years old or older, then advertisers don't buy, regardless of the raw numbers, Herman said. The challenge is that while there are a lot more people 60 and over that are bound to watch television, you can't aggressively go after that audience. If you mistakenly focus too much on the back end of the demo, you can age your audience right out of the economic model that the ad-supported side of the business wants. But at the same time, trying to reach younger demo, like teens or tweens, is not nearly as economically viable as targeting the 18 to 49 audience. Mm -hmm. Even if you're reaching adults 25 to 54, it's a tough sell because it's an easier audience to get. The advertiser wants someone that's creating a brand loyal customer so that they can buy your brand of Kleenex for the next 50 years. So I personally, I don't view 
AEW saying that they are defeating WWE in the 18 to 49 key demographic as manipulating numbers or um, any anything of that nature. I don't view it as data gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, we are seeing AEW attempting to build a brand that and a and a core group of followers and supporters and fans. Notice I didn't say universe. Um, <laughs> they're attempting to build that that framework mm-hmm. so that they can follow their promotion for years to come. The thing that has always stood out to me with WWE is how they're seemingly targeting the 35 and up demo from their demographic. Now they have made some changes. Um, the the first thing that comes immediately to mind is NXT 2 2.0. Um, where they're attempting to go after a younger demographic specifically with that product, um, which I think is a very, very smart move on their part. However, AEW has their business model. And thus far, if we compare how things have gone for AEW over the last two years that they've been in business, they've been on a pretty steady incline and going up. Whereas the ratings and the demographic numbers for WWE, quite frankly, have been going the other way and going down. So the proof is in the pudding, as an old saying goes. We'll see how things go from here. But uh, I, de- I definitely think that this is not data manipulation, and AEW is doing the right thing by targeting 1849. All right, man. Look well, at that. And I, and I don't think necessarily that he says it wasn't like the um... – the wrong thing in doing because Eric Bischoff did the same fucking thing. Let's face it. If you're smart, you do, you, you have to target that audience. I also think that WWE in in some sense has always targeted the under 18 because they start going after them from, let's say eight years old to 14 years old, let them drop off during the high school years and then reestablish them when they have kids of their own, right? Um, the only time that was really different was when they were competing with head on with uh, WCW. And if you look, a lot of the, um, it was very interesting is a lot of the fans that were created after the Attitude Era are not the ones who go, oh my God, I wish uh, that the, the uh, Ruthless Aggression Era would come back, right? You always hear us old fucks saying, Boy, the Attitude Era was the greatest thing ever. Those people who were Ruthless Aggression Era are now the ones with the kids. So it, it it's a weird it's a weird fucking arc with what they do. Um, but in terms of data manipulation, I think what Eric was getting at was that you're not in a head to head like we were, which is the old man saying, "Get off my lawn!" Right? No doubt about it. But if we want to say data manipulation or to spin your numbers, and I'm glad Eric Bischoff said the word podcast, right. <laughs> because all time, our, our demographic is 84.5% male and 18 to 49 year old, 76%. We got that demo, baby. 
we are killing it. <laughs> and you can put us against any other podcast, including 83 Weeks. And I'll tell you right now, we are doing a hell of a lot better job than 83 Weeks is in that demo. <laughs> so, Bischoff, I expect you to spin against us next week, go on the show, and talk about how you we're spinning the numbers to say we're better than you on 83 Weeks. Please. We can use the bump. Right. No shit. <laughs> well, just make sure to to at him when you're creating a social media post, all right? So he makes sure he gets it. All right, you guys. That was a long one, but a good one. Let's move over to count number two. That's from whatsculture.com. It's titled, Charlotte Flair Escorted Out of SmackDown by WWE Security. All right? And then it, right up under that, it goes into further details on what went down between Big Time Bex and the Queen on Friday. Uh, let's get into it. Following yesterday's report of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair having a backstage confrontation after Friday's SmackDown, it's now been detailed how the Queen was actually asked to leave the Entrust Bank Arena and was escorted from the venue by security. For those who missed it, Lynch and Flair's in-ring exchange of their respective SmackDown and Raw Women's Championship ships went off script when charlotte threw her red brand title on the mat and expected big time bex to pick up said prize this wasn't the original plan and was viewed by some as a way of making lynch look quote stupid end quote once the pair got backstage that's when the heated verbal exchange took place since then pw insider has added how the majority, if not all of the blame for this situation have been placed on Flair. And she was asked to leave the venue immediately to avoid any further issues. Among certain circles, Charlotte has significant heat for disrespecting Lynch, for taking the focus of the in-ring segment away from building towards a Flair versus Sasha Banks rivalry. As for Becky... These same people viewed her actions as simply standing up for herself and protecting her character after being pushed to, quote, a boiling po point, end quote, by Charlotte. And many have been quick to speculate that all of this could lead to Flair looking to join fiance's Andrade. Let me try that. El Idolo, Dilo, whatever, in AEW <laughs> in the near future um, is Idolo. But um, under the tr uh, uh, although the truth of the matter, there is Charlotte still has several years left on her current WWE deal, WWE deal, and it seemed extremely unlikely WWE would release a talent who they have often positioned to be the greatest female wrestler in company history. Well, Sin City Steve, I did watch SmackDown, and I I tell you, it it did look a little awkward because first thing like there should never be a belt that's on the floor and many i know it's on the ring but it shouldn't be where your feet is let's put it that way and when i saw that i was like uh huh <laughs> is that written you know but i'm like oh, okay well let's see maybe this is the ultimate heel thing that i'm not ex you know exposed to but yes we did hear about what took place after uh all this went down so tell me what was your thoughts on this when you uh when you read it well, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Watching this segment, it definitely felt somewhat organic. And you could really tell that Becky was thrown off because the look on her face 
as soon as Charlotte threw the belt on, or excuse me, the championship title mm-hmm. on the mat, um, she, uh, you could tell that something, something weird just happened. Um, and you know, if, uh, if, if all reports are correct, um, if there's this huge amount of heat on Charlotte right now, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be WWE is definitely between a rock and a hard place because for so long they have positioned Charlotte as being the greatest women's wrestler in their company's history. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where unfortunately they may now be backed into a corner. Um, if you're going to have, um, if you're going to have Charlotte lose the championship next week on SmackDown, then as sort of some sort of a punishment, then, okay, well, people can see right through that and see that, you know, there are bigger things at play. Um, I, it's, it's going to be very telling, um, what happens in the next upcoming weeks and, and months. Um, if things just happen, you know, if, if things stay the course and nothing ever is brought to light, if there's no other conversations about this thing, if Charlotte holds on to that title for three more, four more months, then we know that it was all just bullshit and there wasn't really anything there. Yeah. Um, but if, if we happen to see Charlotte lose that title next week or in two weeks on SmackDown, it, it'll be very telling. Now, another thing to keep in mind is that WWE is also serving another master in Fox. Fox was opining to get Charlotte Flair on their network. Mm-hmm. They they wanted Charlotte on SmackDown. And they obviously they they oblige and make the trade and then this happens. So if you if you are Vince McMahon, obviously I don't think that he really in the real grand scheme of things gives a damn what Fox has to say. Um, but if you were any other rational human being, you would have to factor in, okay, these guys are the key to us re-signing a TV deal here in just a couple of years. Right. Are we to give them what they want, which would be Charlotte flair as a women's champion, or do we make contingency plans now? I think it's going to be very telling what happens from here. Yeah, absolutely. This is crazy. Um, Matt Michaels, I'm going to go over to you next. I I, I received a um, um, a screenshot of of um, El Idolo here that says "fuck WWE." <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right, Matt Michaels, with that, what's your take on all of this that took place? Um, so uh, I will, you know, just kind of join in that thought process of the fact that I think that this is uh, this is the way of Charlotte Flair trying to get fired. Bingo. Okay. Um, because... This is just the latest example. Ever since Eldrade signed with AEW, she's been pulling stuff off 
basically off book. Um, I think it was right after SummerSlam that she did and said things in the ring that was not scripted and um things have been kind of you know a little little iffy um i will say this her character she really been playing this character of i just don't give a shit too well you know what i mean like it's one thing to be like in a character and it's another thing to be like she seemed like she really just don't give a shit and and, and it really does seem like that but i've never got the connection i just really thought well maybe this is just really good acting but now that i'm understand i'm reading this and now i'm hearing what you're saying it's beginning to make a lot more sense now yeah yeah and and so from a performer's eye that's what i picked on up on back at summer you know after SummerSlam, is mm-hmm. that the stuff she was doing was um it wasn't just uh the character of the queen it was some heavy fucking shit that in this business, if you say it to the wrong person, <laughs> right. yeah. you, you can end up getting stretched. You can get up, you know, I mean, Charlotte can end up with a fucking broken leg. Right. Um, or a broken face. Or worst of all, they could put her in the ring with Nia Jax. So, <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that would do it. That would basically do it. How do you want to punish Charlotte? Naya? <laughs> good, good, good. I know you're injured, but you could still probably hurt her pretty much. <laughs> good job there, Michaels. So the next thought, which is a very... F- okay, so let, let's let's stay upon that first off. If she is doing this to get fired, if I am Vince McMahon, you know what would I do? I say, Charlotte, it's time for a vacation. And I let her sit at home under contract for as long as the contract goes. And that's it. If you're ready to, you know, not be this outward person and trying to get yourself fired, we're not going to fire you. We are not going to fire you. But we're not going to put you on TV either because we're not going to let you denigrate us. And then if she starts going into social media, then that's fine. Let her go on social media and say all she wants. She's still under contract. And unfortunately, you signed the contract. So that's that. Yeah. Now, there is a part of me that really, really hopes that this is all work and that they never never say it's a work because that would be fucking brilliant because you have everyone speculating that she wants to get fired you have everyone speculating that the company's mad at her if the company is behind this and they're with her on this that would be very interesting. The likelihood is not high, but there's just that little door opening. And and DJ, you said it as a fan. You just thought, hey, this is like fuck, stepping up character and stuff, right? And if you're getting attention like this, and the one thing that smelled fucking fishy to me this week was the idea that she was escorted out by police. 
Yeah, that to me was kind of like, I mean, did she did she pull out a gun and threaten somebody? I mean, why 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 are you being escorted by police? I'm just, I'm just... And, and, and you know, you just said that, and let's face it, Brett fucking Hart punched Vince McMahon in the fucking face <laughs> and was able to walk out of there. Right, <laughs> and go about his way. Right, yeah, yeah. So. And and the picture that's associated, if you guys look up some articles, if you're listening, uh, yeah. if you look up the picture associated, yeah. it's just not like, it, it's not, it doesn't make sense. I agree with that too. I looked at well, that like, my so God. This, this picture is obviously a very old picture. There are wow. certain things, there are certain things <laughs> that are a dead giveaway on that. And I'll leave yeah, that it, right please, there. Police officer one and police officer two. Those those two <laughs> right. officers are are a lot smaller in size than the officers are now. <laughs> right. I mean, it is what it is. I would yep. I would actually go as far to say that those officers were played by enhancement talent <laughs> in the present, but in the past they weren't. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. Can I go to count three, please? Let's go to count three. <laughs> All right. Let's jump over here, man, to bleacherreport.com, where it shows WWE's Bianca Belair, number one um, in the PWI's Women's 150 rankings. And so... How it uh, ranked in the um, top five was number one, of course, Bianca. Number two, let me try this, Utami Hayashishida, stardom. Sin City close, huh? This is right here is for Matt freaking Michaels. Number three, Deanna Perrazzo. We'll talk about it. Number four, Britt Brit Baker. And another AEW, number five, Thunder Rosa. All right. So um, there was, of course, there's a huge list, but we have our five here. Uh, is there anybody want to debate the idea that Bianca should not be in the top spot? Okay. I didn't think so. Just wanted to make sure. Now, I, Sin City, hopefully you know a little bit more about Yutami Hayashishida, uh and because I'm not familiar, but apparently to rank number two means she's pretty much up there with everybody. So what do you think, man? What's your take on her? So the thing is, she is um, to kind of bring it up to up to speed a little bit. If you're not familiar with uh, Stardom, Stardom is a, a sister promotion to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So they are owned by the same company. And um, occasionally you'll see crossover um, it didn't used to be that way where you would see, uh, stardom athletes on new Japan shows and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, we're starting to see that a little bit more. Um, and in fact, um, the, uh, the most notable thing that has happened recently was, uh, January 5th of 2021, um, wrestle kingdom 15, uh, Hayashi Shida made her first new Japan appearance uh, in a six woman, uh, dark match tag match. So, 
Um, yeah, they were they did work the dark match, mm-hmm. but um, the 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 six woman match uh, was went pretty well and was pretty well received by the New Japan fans. Um, and realistically, the um, she she's still very 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 young in this business. Uh, she debuted in 2018. Okay, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, she also won the uh, the newcomer award from Tokyo Sports, uh, which is a very prestigious uh, news organization over there. Um, but uh, the things that she's accomplished in stardom are absolutely crazy. Um, now, mind you, she has she's been there for less than four years, mm-hmm. and she's already won the Artist of Stardom Championship, the Future of Stardom Championship. The goddess of stardom championship. Do, just, just work with me here. Um, <laughs> she won that twice, mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, she won the uh, the goddesses of stardom tag league, um, and lastly and currently is the world of stardom champion. So she has done. I don't want to say everything that there is to do in stardom. Yeah, but she. She's had one hell of a trajectory since her debut in 2018, and this is um, this is pretty awesome. She had a the the best match uh, in Stardom in the year of 2020 uh, against Mayu Iwatani, uh, who those of you Ring of Honor fans may be familiar with Mayu's work, mm-hmm. um, and then also won the best tag team award um, with uh, with two different people in two different years. So that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um very very skilled in the ring. Um I don't I don't know if I would put her um in at number 2 though. I would still have her probably in the top 5. Okay. Um but I don't know about number 2. Okay. So. Well, thanks for that. I, I, I appreciate that. I'm out to like uh see what comes up under YouTube when I put her name in and see if I can check out some of her work. Number three, but, okay, everybody, everybody, everybody played second, second fiddle or second chair to Bianca Belair, though, this right. past year. I mean, this this year was all about Bianca Belair. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to see a true homegrown homegrown talent for WWE prosper like what she has. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Matt Michaels. Uh what do you see wrong with this this list, if anything? Okay. So the first thing I do see wrong with this list is very simple. <laughs> okay. Um, the gun has been fucking jumped. Because the complete 150 list does not come out until November 9th. Hmm. So there is nothing. Okay. And then all this uh, buzz has been for the top five. There's a top 10 right now that have been revealed. Oh, okay. Well, you can tell me so, like that. Yeah. The uh, After Thunder Rosa, mm-hmm. Sasha Banks, Siri. No, don't don't answer me, Siri. <laughs> I'm talking about the wrestler. <laughs> Who's with Stardom? The six. Okay. Io Shirai, seven. Okay. Tam Nakano is uh, with Stardom. She's uh, number eight. Okay. Or she's number nine. Six, seven, eight, nine, and then Roxy, Raquel Gonzalez, number 10. So my first problem is, like you said, number two, um, I, 
I'm not a Japanese wrestling person. And you put three of your top 10 from stardom. Right. The word stardom, I literally heard for the first time here today. Steve, your explanation was great because I'd never heard of it. I've heard of Shimmer. I've heard of Glow. I've heard of all the major companies here and all the independents here. So therefore, for me, I look at this as a very uh, five-star Tokyo Dome type list, right? (laughs) On top of that, Io Shirai um, is another Japanese wrestler. So four of the top ten are actually Japanese-grown wrestlers. Um, the, the next thing I look at and I go, you know, the date here, it, it runs from October 1st, 2020 through September 30th, 2021. Okay. So it does cover a nice full year period. Mm-hmm. One of the things we got to remember, Bailey got injured, but she was in the running to potentially be one of the top three. Okay. Yeah. So she did get injured. Becky Lynch went off and had a baby. So she doesn't come back until SummerSlam. So there's another person who should be up there on the list, but of course was out for most of the year. We just talked about Mrs. I got my ass kicked out of uh, SmackDown. Right. She's nowhere to be found in the top 10, which is a fucking major crime. Because Charlotte is one of, to me, the best female wrestler of all time right now. Um, And then, uh, you know, you do have, uh, of the four horsewomen, um, Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is behind Britt Baker. That, to me, is an issue only for this fact. As a talker, Britt Baker, that is the reason she got over as a wrestler, first of all, she missed a lot of time last year because right. she got injured. Yep. Then she came back, and then she kind of got injured a little bit <laughs> and tends to get injured, you know, fairly frequently. Right. She is still very green in comparison to some of these wrestlers. So I would I would kind of move her down a little bit. Thunder Rose is an interesting situation because she has the talent. She's finally getting the exposure. I don't know if I would put her in the top five as much as probably the top 10. But next year, you're looking at a contender for top three, potentially, depending on what they do with her, right? And, and mainly because... TBS champ. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, she hasn't... As much as the NWA title, you know, is all right, it just isn't the same exposure. So that's where I kind of differ with Thunder. I think that she will be there again. I don't know who Siri is uh, and, and Nakano is uh, unless we're talking bold Nakano. So there we go. Huh? <laughs> the history buff comes out of nowhere. There you go. Bold Nakano reference. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. And I think Ra- Ra- Raquel Gonzalez has had arguably one of the best years in in wrestling. Mm-hmm. She should and have been top five. She should have been top five. Yeah. Um, 
okay now i know where you want but we're all in agreement bianca belair number one now i know where you want to go mr dj impact i don't want you to go there but you're just gonna do it anyway so go ahead and do it so who has diana perrazzo defended the title against can you name a, an actual legitimate feud or two or three of this past year This is an audio show, so you do have to say something or else they'll think we got cut off there, buddy. <laughs> because everybody that is named is not going to, in, in terms, be a legitimate uh, That's talent. the problem. That's the problem. I, I, but, 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 but why is it? But why are we? Yeah, but, 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 but she, got we, a, she got a nice one. But, 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 but. Why do we have to look at it as if the person they're fighting is legitimate in terms of it? How, uh, what are they doing actually in the ring in terms of their wrestling performance? That's what I'm looking at, not who they've beaten. Okay, so the P the PWI Women's 150 was assembled with the input from experts in the field. Several factors were used as a ranking criteria including wins and losses, quality of competition, and cultural impact. Yikes, DJ. You just got the criteria. That's why, and that's why she doesn't belong in the top 10. I would put her probably somewhere around 25. She has grown. <laughs> she has grown. Wow. She's grown. No. And, and again... She has grown, but at the same time, you couldn't come up with legitimate competition. The wins and losses are wins and losses is kind of a bullshit joke anyway, across the boards, because for God's sakes, it's a fucking predetermined thing. So you can keep the belt on someone for fucking ever. Right. Right. So. In, in cultural impact, Diana Perazzo is probably right there with Liv Morgan and Carmella as, in terms of culturally impacting New Jersey. <laughs> Jesus. But it's true. She's not culturally impacting the business as of now. Does she have a chance next year to move up the ranks? Yes. Do we also know that Mickey James just took that title at the pay-per-view. And honestly, at the tapings, and of course, there's pictures out there on the internet, so I'm not giving anything away. Please, it's a spoiler. Mute it for a second. And usually when you're listening to me, you probably mute it for more than a second. At least you said it. <laughs> but uh, but Mer Mercedes turned up to confront Mickey James. So what they're doing is protecting Perazzo by having Mickey be the one who will eventually drop the title to Mercedes. And then if they're smart, that's who you have Perazzo get the belt off of. And now you're starting to talk a legitimate person that she's beaten to get the title back. So even being the AAA uh, champ as well, this doesn't mean anything either. And even who she fought in from that, that doesn't mean anything. Who did she fight for that? Just out of curiosity. 
I don't know. I don't know. That, that's why. But I mean, who's this? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably a Mexican wrestler. Maybe they are a big name that we just not familiar with. I don't okay, know. But they're not a big. But they're not a big name on the top ten of this list. So we don't even know if that person, whoever it might be, you can't tell me who it is off the top of your head. That means that that significance of the AAA is not important. And as you even said yourself, and I admit it too, three of these people are from stardom, which we just learned what the hell stardom is. So if they're saying that the number two is better than Deanna Perrazzo, and she's from Japan in a company that we don't know, then the AAA title is definitely not even at that level to where she. Well, could we have need been to find out what that girl, what who, you know, what the ranking of that person is, and 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 see once that and list. We is and we won't know until <laughs> yeah, we won't know until uh, you know November uh, 9th, I think it is, is when the actual list comes out. Let me get Sin City because he didn't really get a chance to say his thoughts on you know the rest of the list, and I know we run a little late. So Sin City, tell us just quickly, you know, what's your list? What's your take on? Um, the the top five here, and then learning what the next uh, the next five that was just released. So the thing is, I think that any kind of list that you look at is going to be entirely subjective. Um, the the PWI lists have always been um, you know fun topics of conversation um, for years. And now, mind you, I'll reiterate it. This was the PWI, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Women's 150, which yeah. is definitely, it, it still has clout. I'm not saying that it doesn't. However, PWI, they, uh, they don't always place people in the right positions. Um, I, I, I was very surprised to hear that there were two more members from the stardom roster in the top 10. Yeah. Um, personally, I mean, you, you have to think about it. If you're, if you're t listing cultural impact as one of the things that plays in, wouldn't the overall audiences play in as well? Um, I don't know um, the, I don't have the numbers for, you know, the subscribers to stardom world, uh, or anything of that nature, what their viewer base is here in the States, anything of that, any, anything along, you know, that nature, but you've got to figure that while yes, it's, it's okay for them to have a couple of names, maybe two in the top 10, um, to have more names in the top 10 than impact wrestling is something that is very, very telling for me. Um, I don't want to say that it delegitimizes this list by any means, but I, I had to do a double take. And even when Michaels was reading the remaining members of that top 10 list, I'm just thinking, what the hell? When are we going to have somebody, anybody from Impact in this top 10? It just, I don't know. It, it Something's just not right. Well, there was one, and you even kind of made it, evident that Deanna Perazzo is not number three by saying when are we going to have one person on impact and it's well, all <laughs> so, sorry DJ uh, so <laughs> let's um, let's just mention um, hold on let me go back here. yeah I'm yeah I'm a fucking let, idiot aren't I yeah that's awesome let's just mention it's, a, it's, 
Let's it's just... not often. It's not often that I fuck up. So, but it was just so perfect. How that just proves the point. <laughs> Let's just mention a couple of illegitimate, uh, illegitimate uh, per, 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 uh, performers here. Who you know, of course, uh, Jordan Grace. I mean, she's horrible. Why would why would she beat take the you know hold her championship against her? She's a horrible wrestler. Taya Vactory, who Perazzo's beat. Okay, I just Taya's just horrible. I mean, she, why would she be in that? Um, whatever. I mean, we could go now. This I'm sure you would have a uh, a problem. Rosemary. I know. You know. I guess that would be definitely not on that list. You know, and then there's a few others. I think the one person, um, uh, another one here that was named was, hold on, that was, oh, uh, okay, well, we ain't going to necessarily name her. Because, uh, <laughs> no, the reason why, no, the reason why it was Jazz, and that, come on, we know the situation, so that's not fair. But, I mean. But, but, but that's. But that's the thing. The thing is, yeah. Is but that... I mean, I just named others that was there. Um, you know, so I don't know. But but, but 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 again, you couldn't you couldn't think of any names off the top of your head. So that, in a sense, well, don't don't you... don't quote that because I could barely remember names off of even WWE ones. You know, I, I mean, it's. I'm just saying, but there's she, so much but, there. But, oh, but you. Th- but think about it though. With the WWE and even with AEW, you can come up with names of the of people that, if they didn't face, they probably have faced within the last two years, even. So Britt Baker is on there because she wrestled against Thunder Rosa, right? And they're four and five, yeah. so you know, that, that proximity makes sense because Thunder Rosa made Britt a better wrestler this year. There's no doubt, you know, but the contrast here again, is not that Deanna Perrazzo isn't good. She is making her way up. She's just not at that level yet. Okay. That's all. Well, that's, that's to you. Can, and you also want to Absolutely. put her and you also put her at like number 25, which is ridiculous. So with that, until, let's let's but go. Until we see, but let's, until we see the list, right? This is the fucked up thing: is that this leak or this this thing that they decided to put out? They only the few until they published the full list. It's bullshit to argue it because we can't contrast who else is correct. on there. Right, and yeah. what Steve said is absolutely a hundred percent. This list is not meant to be the end-all be-all of rankings rankings are subjective sure and in your eyes you are absolutely correct man and we all kind of agree that the stardom shit was just kind of surprising yeah so even in our eyes we're not huge stardom people but it obviously serves merit as steve pointed out that culturally this might be more impactive than we know because we are very versed in American wrestling. And like you said, AAA, we can't even come up with who she beat in AAA. So even their popularity, which is huge, right. we don't know. Yeah. So so it's not an it's not a knock. It's just it's an opinion. And this is what this list is for. It's for selling magazines and subscriptions. Yep. And also to debate. And this is perfect. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying 
you are misguided. <laughs> but, uh, but, but. Uh, I, lo- I love you, man. Um, <laughs> let's, um, let's, uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know how to say that name. <laughs> <laughs> I see it here, but all right. Let's just end it. Um, Sin City, tell us, what do you want to tell the good people out there? <laughs> oh, man. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, the chat was jumping, as always. You guys you guys always bring it. So thank you so much for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the stuff that you guys do. It's definitely appreciated. Um, also, special, special thank you to all of the brave men and women that oh. serve this country on lands, foreign and domestic. You enable us to do this show. You enable us to do everything that we do. So thank you for everything you do. And a special shout out to our boy, the Storm and Mormon. We love you, brother. Yes. Um, and then uh, last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P-Sports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. That's repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout. Save yourself 15%. All right, so with that, I just you know I was able to do a little bit more uh, investigation here. So she beat Fabi Apache, who apparently is at the age of forty, <laughs> <laughs> but she is a Mexican luchadora. So there you go. Aren't they all? <laughs> all. Listen, it doesn't matter. She was their champion. So she was a champion, okay, which means it doesn't matter her age. That means she took down all the 30-year-olds and the 20-year-olds, okay? Just like just <laughs> she, beat, she beat the 40-year-old Mexican luchador, but she couldn't beat the 45-year-old Mickey James. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what? You don't have any final thoughts. We're ending the show. Thank you for hanging out with us, guys. We will see you next time. <laughs> Oh, my God. Let's get out of here. That's awesome. Peace. (laughs) Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.